Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome into the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are breaking down the fourth and final round of the Zurich Classic. My team joining me tonight, the coach, is here. What's going on, coach? Yes, sir. It's been a lot of fun calling the event this week on PGA Tour Live. And sometimes, even though fans don't necessarily like it, it's fun to watch excellence at its absolute best. And that's what we saw this week. Yeah, it doesn't usually get rave reviews when a team goes wire to wire or a player goes wire to wire, but I agree. I mean, they they deserved it. They were the best. They were they were phenomenal. KP, Kyle Porter is here and a little peek behind the curtains. You are coming in hot, my friend. We had no pre-podcast banter. Welcome. No. I just I I jumped in right after HQ. I had no idea if you guys had started, if you were almost done. And uh, producer Jacob made it look like I'd been here for like the last 15 minutes. So if I didn't ruin it for him, uh, we could have gotten away with it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, gents, they did it. Wire to wire. Started with a 59, ends with a 72. Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay boat race the field coach. I'll just start there with you because you talked about the excellence. Um, This got close for about. 15 minutes on Sunday. I think the lead got down to one shot, but this was really never out of reach for Xander and Patrick. Yeah, and I see Joseph in the chat says Xander and Patrick were lucky with all due respect. They weren't. They were never in trouble today. They shot a two under or three under par, I believe, is what they ended up with. And when Billy and Sam went in the water at 16 on the drivable uh, par four 16th, that was kind of the end of it. But make no mistake about it. They never went backwards. A couple of bogeys here and there, but they were always in control. And here's the thing. And I know because it's already in the chat that everybody's going to say, well, Xander still hasn't won. It was 67 starts since his last one on the PGA Tour. Well, he can't win a single one. That is very true. We gave Ryan Palmer all the credit this week for how he picks partners. Well, maybe we should give Xander a little bit of credit too because he went after the hottest player in the world outside of Scotty Scheffler the last year, and that, of course, is Patrick Cantlay. He loses in a playoff last week, and I believe he becomes the first player, KP, in the history of the PGA Tour, if I have this correct, to lose in a playoff and then win the next week on tour. And I'll give them a lot of credit. They played great. And Xander gave Patrick all the credit. He goes, he kept me calm. I haven't been here in a while. He admitted it. And I thought Patrick Cantley was the key to them winning this week. I think the uh, that stat, it, it has happened. It hasn't happened very often. Uh, okay. I think DJ did it a few years ago. Is that right, Rick? 2020, he lost in a playoff at the BMW Championship. He won the Tour Championship. That's the last time it happened. As you mentioned, KP, does not happen often. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think that – so we do this thing in when we watch golf that a lot of people just tune in to Sunday. And yeah. so Sunday becomes this uh, sort of narrative for the entire week. And uh, – sometimes that's fine. Sometimes it fits, right? I I think that 
even something like what we saw from Scotty Scheffler at the Masters, what you saw on Sunday was kind of an extension for the most part of what you saw throughout the week, which was steadiness, taking care of the par fives, forget the, the four putt at the end there. But what you saw on Sunday from Cantlay and Scheffler was actually a, a deviation from what you saw the rest of the week. They shot 72 on Sunday, but that's all they needed to shoot. Right. right. Like that, that was the whole point of shooting 59, 68, 60 over there over the first 54 holes. And uh, I mean, I, you know, my big takeaway, well, two things. One, I think going to wire wire to wire in this event is really impressive. Like, I think it's impressive no matter when it happens, but especially in this event that gets really weird and volatile early on. It's just kind of like you see a ton of movement. And when you go wire to wire by shooting 59 to the end, that's I think that's big time. Uh, and then the second takeaway uh, is something that I can't remember what I was going to say about. Oh, uh, I think there, I think there's a case to be made that Cantlay and Shafoy are the best mm. two man team in the world. I don't know that that's true. I agree. But I think it. there's there's a legit case to be made based on what they did at the President's Cup, what they did at the Ryder Cup, what they did at this event last year, and what they did at this event this year. I I would make a case against that, actually, because I, I there's some stuff there that I haven't loved like in early on with them, but I do think they have a legit... We don't talk about teams a lot in golf. Uh, we rarely talk about them outside of the, the team events, but if we were to talk about them, I think they have a real case to, to, to make for that uh, for that title. And I thought it was really cool. And we don't talk about this a lot, too, the behind the scenes type of stuff. But they gave credit to what, KP? The plane ride in 2019 to the President's Cup, which made them friends. And after calling this event, this is my second time. And the better friends you are in this event, I feel like the better you play. Look at Bubba and and Harold Varner today. They were just shucking it up for four rounds. Xander and Patrick are best friends friends and when you're best friends then you don't have to apologize you don't have to worry about it you know after the event's over you're still going to roll on down the road i thought that was big time and played into to them being successful not only the last couple of years but today i was asked on uh hq last night kp what this would mean what a win would mean for patrick Cantlay and xander shoffley i i kind of argued not nothing, you know, one one point two million bucks, a, a bigger bank account, I, I think, is basically the argument. Is, is there more to it than that? Obviously, the we can talk about the Xander victories and Cantlay gets to add another. But this does not change our perspective on these guys in any substantial way. Right. No, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, you know, the thing I was thinking about on Sunday is that the they get uh, they get Kapalua, right. They get to go to Kapalua. Correct. Yes. Yes. So now Xander has won uh, twice since 2017, and he'll be making his fifth straight trip there. Right. <laughs> it's been really weird. All the rules they it, ha- it and that's not his. Well, it's kind of his fault because he hasn't he hasn't won. I mean, he he's won these weird events, so it's kind of this like uh, just somewhat silly, but also kind of like. Uh, legitimate argument coach you and i talked about this on friday like xander and he he kind of admitted this like he doesn't he doesn't win enough you know for as good as he is and this is a little bit this is a little bit the scotty shuffer thing we're talking about uh in january where it's like you're 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 penalized for being good and not winning 
and you're like, well, wait a second, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm way better than uh, Wyndham Clark or whoever Scott Stallings, my boy. Mm-hmm. But you, but because you're not win, I don't know. It's just, I don't know what to do about all that. And I'm reading, so I'm reading Bob Herrig's book on on Tiger and Phil right now. It's coming out this week or next week or whatever. And there's a little bit of of Phil in Xander in that he's like really good at a young age, but Phil didn't win at least the big, like this is more major championship stuff until later on. Right. They're both from San Diego. There's just a lot of like parallels there. So I always get like really hesitant to, to like be like, Oh, this guy doesn't win. And then, and then Scotty Sheffer wins four times in six events. And you're like, well, you're an idiot for saying that. But I, I just, I don't know. The Xander thing is weird. I don't know how you feel about it, Rick, but I don't totally know what to do with him at this point in his career. Yeah, let's look at the resume here. So seven uh, career wins, five of them recognized as official PGA Tour victories. The Greenbrier was his first in 2017. He won the Tour Championship Coach. He won the WGC HSBC. He won the Tournament of Champions. He won the Tour Championship, but just the stroke version of it. So that's an OWGR win, not a PGA Tour win. He wins the Olympics. Then he wins the team event here. That is one full field stroke play event one coach is that a problem it is a problem and also i don't know that i ever remember a time and i've only really been at the elite level of golf in my career for the last five years but you maybe you guys can educate me here i can't remember a time where universally the player that other players felt like was the best never won and you talk to everybody they'll say who's the best player out here who hits the best oh xander Oh, it's Xander. It's Xander. But yet he doesn't get the job done, which means there's something in his DNA right now that he needs to fix because when he's really, really hard, that's not the issue. But if you're an elite player, you're an elite ball striker, you can win the Olympics, you can be in all these big events. At some point, you need to finish and win. And the fact that he has yet to win a major championship when Jordan has, JT has, Rory has, all of these guys in his age category have but he has not. And Patrick Cantlay still needs to climb that mountain as well. But we feel like today Cantlay is so much farther along and closer to that than Xander is. Is it fair? I don't know, but the facts are the facts. Yeah. What coach says is interesting because you do talk to people behind the scenes and they're like, Oh, Xander's nasty. Like he's so good. And you're like, okay, yeah, I, I see it in the numbers. Right, like the strokes gain stuff. He's he's no holes, complete game, uh, a lot of top tens at majors, but it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't show up in the win. So again, that might be like a, just a num, uh, uh, like a uh, 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 what am I looking for? Um, anomaly like a, perception. Yeah, an an, an anomaly. Uh, like he might win three majors in a row, and and it just it it they're bunched up instead of being spread out. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what happened with Rory. That it's a little bit what happened with Spieth. That that might just be a thing that happens and, and they're not kind of spread out evenly over the course of his career. But yeah, he, for somebody that people talk about the way that coach described, which is true, you'd like to see more more trophies over. I mean, he's won one event since 2018, two like PGA Tour individual events. Yeah, six to seven starts, and he averages about twenty some a year. So it's like three years. That's a long. That's a long period for somebody that good to have not won. Uh huh. Patrick Cantlay, 
on the other hand, seems to win quite a bit uh, for last year. This is his first of uh, the new year. And Coach, he's, it's so funny, right? He, he went through this stretch where, you know, he was one of the hottest players on the planet. And then he had like three okay starts. Everybody wanted to forget about him. He finishes runner up to Jordan Spieth at the RBC Heritage. He wins this year with, with uh, Xander Shoffley. And it's just another trophy for the case on, of, of Patrick Cantlay. I wish everybody had the ability to get to do what I do. For the last four days, I sat next to the former president of the PGA of America, Susie Whaley. She's the same woman who handed Colin Morikawa his trophy, winning the PGA Championship in San Francisco. Which he and dropped. She, what's that? <laughs> Which he dropped. <laughs> he did drop. It fell all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but listening to her, and she's got all these little toys that she can go into and show a person's swing and why it's so good. And she would always go with Patrick Kentley, and she would say why his shoulders are here. He is so fundamentally sound. And she told me that when you look at all the different players and the players that have the DNA to, to shut out the sound, that because of what he's done, that the work that he's done, that his game is almost foolproof now. It's almost... I don't want to say bogey proof, what the word, but you know what I'm saying? He's not going to have horrible, horrible weeks, which is why he's able to do what he did last week, come right back. And he's so steady that he's able to contend again and not get too high and not get too low. Cause we know how emotional it is when you contend for a win, much less play in a playoff. So sitting next to her this week, I learned so much about why Patrick Cantlay the last two years has elevated his game. And for people to say, Oh, he's been out here for a while. Let's remember. Let's remember, he didn't play for a long time, had a horrible injury. His best friend was killed, and that set him back for years. He is now just where, guys, he should have been five years ago, and we're seeing the excellence that is Patrick Cantlay. Well, it's it's interesting, KP, because that, that injury, that back injury that he had, um, he still, I don't want to say deals with it, Every single day, but he is such a creature of habit. He gets, you know, three hours before his tea time. If it's 630 in the morning, he's up at 330 going through the routine, making sure he does like the same exact thing every single day, which I don't think gets I, I don't know. He's just kind of the silent assassin who goes about his business. Yeah, he is. He he's not like Tiger talking about how he gets up at three in the morning and, no. you know, does does. uh plyo for like four hours I don't, I don't know what tiger does but you know i think i think the thing that's interesting i i don't forget about the uh the injury coach but i forget about how recent it was mm -hmm. i mean his his first full year i'm looking at his owgr page right now was 2018 kind of i mean like he had these weird i mean and 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 i think that people he, he didn't have there was no continuity for him between his amateur career and his pro career and so people forget like he was unbelievable as an amateur like better than i, I don't know i i would have to consult people who were covering it but as good as better than spieth as good as better than jt but because he had that time off in 15, 16, 14, 15, 16, and into 17, you just kind of forgot about it. And he's been to your point that, or to Susie Whaley's point, like he's just, he's so consistent, except for this got brought up in the chat, the major championships. And I think that's weird because his game seems like Rick, it should fit the majors perfectly, right? Yeah. No holes. He can get up and down from anywhere. 
uh, he flushes it from the, like with his irons. Like it just, it, it doesn't to me, it has to be a little, at least a little bit mental at the major championships because the game that I'm watching where he's playing at TPC, Louisiana, he starts the year with uh, seven straight top tens, whatever, whatever the number was, or he had seven top tens in a row on the PGA tour. That game is major championship, like should be contending all the time. And yet he hasn't. And I don't know how to reconcile that, Rick. Uh, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense because you're right. He's got the short game. He's won the Memorial twice. He can do tough condition. He can do a lot of different things. And coach, he's two for 20 in terms of top tens at major championships. A couple of years ago, I asked Kyle, I said, when would you start getting concerned that John Rahm hasn't won a major? And he said his 20th major. And sure enough, John Rahm, of course, won his 20th major. That was at, at Torrey Pines. Well, we're at 20 for Patrick Cantlay level of concern about his major championship results a, a little bit. And, and I was thinking about this and I want, I want you guys to tell me if you think, cause you know me, I'm a, I'm a throw things against the wall type of guy. And you remember what Jack Nicholas said about majors and what tiger uh, bought into about majors, which is why he never played the week before. He's like, you have to prepare differently for a major championship than you do for a regular tour stop, which is why Jack famously said that at most majors, you can get rid of half the field because they just can't handle it. They can't handle what major pressures are. Maybe that's what Patrick Cantlay is. I don't know. I don't know. But is he preparing differently for the majors like a perhaps a Brooks Kepka does, who has an incredible major record? I don't know that, but maybe Patrick and his team, because we know in the FedEx Cup, he was making everything from everywhere, so the pressure should not get to him because he's playing for $15 million. But a major championship is not about the money. Yeah, it's a big check, but it's about the prestige of calling yourself a major champion. I wonder what his preparation is for a major championship as opposed to a regular event. Well, and it's it's weird that, you know, if you told me, Billy Horschel doesn't play great at major championships based on his like emotional state. I'd be like, yeah, the dude's like really high strung and I could see him like getting stressed out and yeah, melting you know. down in a major championship. Yeah. Which to be fair is like, uh, it hasn't, you know, it's kind of been the case, but with Cantlay, you're like, I, I don't, it, it's, it, it doesn't add up. Like it, to me, his major resume is one of the ones that I understand the least. Like, it makes no sense. I don't get it. I look at it, and I'm like, I don't understand why I only remember him even being at the the only one that I remember is the 2019 Masters, which he led with, like, two and a half hours to go before everybody had played the par fives on the second nine. So that, that to me, is uh, – and I just said this on HQ. Like, that has to be the next step for him. Otherwise, I think that you have to start saying, like – that 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 becomes a, a real like a question and an issue when he gets brought into the the press center at majors if if he doesn't start contending at them soon. And I will clarify: seventeen of those major championships as a professional, uh, three as an amateur. Uh, coach, looking at the leaderboard, uh, your eyes might pop out of your head because twenty nine under par was the winning score. They shattered uh, the tournament scoring record and basically were already there through three rounds. Yesterday, we heard kind of all week long, you know, Hurricane Ida coming through might have taken the teeth out of a lot of TPC Louisiana. There was a lot of trees uh, that were that were knocked down and had to be cleaned up. This was uh, or at least Thursday or excuse me, the third round Saturday's round was the lowest field scoring average in the four ball format in tournament history. I mean, it was just a, a birdie bonanza out there. 
it, re- it really was. And I, I, I guess I really have a problem because I, I, in you know, in my old days being a jerk or being heel, whatever, I enjoyed that because I got paid to do it. I don't enjoy negativity anymore. And for people who are like, oh, all the fire is taken out of TPC, Louisiana. It was really, if you really watched it this week, it was enjoyable because you saw guys working together. You saw guys uh, that were, I mean, almost every time, because I love PGA Tour Live because you can hear all the gnat sounds between the player and the caddy. When Scotty Scheffler would hit, I love how Ted Scott works with him. And you had an up-close picture of how they got it done at the Masters if you watched us this week. Because every time Scotty Scheffler would hit the ball, every time, He'd be like, are we good? Is Ryan Palmer good? We get like he needed that reassurance. And so to me, that's what I took out of this week. And the fact that all these players are working well together, they started feeding off of each other and they really started going. Well, plus it was hot and the wind wasn't blowing. And a lot of courses, if the wind's not blowing, that's their only defense. So to me, I really, really enjoyed it. I had no issues with the low scores. I don't want it every single week, but this week I had no issues with it. Yeah, and that it, it is a valid point, KP. First of all, two of the rounds are best ball. You're going to get low scores no matter what. But there are a lot of things on a golf course that are out of the golf course's control, whether the wind is up, whether you got rain in the month leading up to the event. I'm sure if you ask the uh, the, the the course superintendent, I don't think 29 under was the target winning score, but I, I don't really care either way. Somebody's going to have to win. Yeah, it's – I mean, listen, like you can't go to – you know, Marion or Wingfoot every week. <laughs> like you, you got to play the event somewhere. And even if you go to those places, if you have best ball, the scores are going to be silly. So I, it's hard to, I guess what I'm saying is it's hard to, it's hard to take stock of a course when half the event is, is best ball. I think that actually begs the question, should the event, uh, should the format be something other than best ball? I, I saw uh, Joel Beal throughout. It should be worst ball, which would be so sick. Uh, wow. It should be a reverse scramble, which is you have to take the worst shot, uh, which would be which would be awesome. That is they would like what's what's it? What would be objectively worse? You you couldn't let them decide what the worst shot is. Yeah, right? that's you true. Somebody have- forty yards closer, but in the rough, or forty yards back in the fairway. What's what's worse? Yeah, that's a great point. I don't know how you would do that, but. Um, yeah, courses, it is what it is. It's a, it's a TPC PGA tour course. It's, it's fine. It's not going to be Augusta national. It's hard. I think it can be difficult to go from, you know, in these golf is weird in that it's every other sport, the biggest events are at the end of the year. And so it all kind of builds to that. Right. And golf intersperses its biggest events. And so you go from like, oh, Augusta National, like fast and firm. You've got all these crazy shots and and fun pitches and all this stuff. And then you go to you go to uh Harbortown last week and TPC Louisiana this week. And it it, it doesn't it doesn't do those courses any favors to be coming off of Augusta National and see what we saw at that golf course, and then to be going to Southern Hills in a few weeks. So that's hard. I it's it's a uh I feel like it's an event. Sometimes we say this about match play that should be m- more fun than it is. And maybe it's just because it was a little bit of a blowout on the weekend or some of the top teams weren't in it, or I, I-, I don't know, but it, it uh, for as, as cool, as much as I like team play and as much as I like that aspect, that, kind of the different nature of of than 72 holes of stroke play it just seems like there's not as much pop as maybe there could be and i i'm not totally sure what the reason for that is 
I want to see true alternate shot all four days. So if a guy taps in for birdie, next guy has to yeah has, has to hit. It's that would be an three. interesting change. That would yeah. be an interesting change. I, I'm with KP though. I think you could have four different uh, scenarios over the course of four different days. Maybe one is best ball, one is alternate shot, maybe one is whatever. But I think if you're going to get creative, because they've really embraced. You saw the crowds out there. They're freaking huge. They weren't like that when Brian Stewart won in 2016. Must be on that. But you could get a little creative. I think the players would buy into it because they love coming here. You saw five of the top ten players in the world decide to play this week. John Rahm not being one of those because he's going to play next week in Mexico. Well, and I real quick, I think it helps this event when you have teams that stay together year over year. Because because people are like, ah, oh, remember, oh uh, yeah, that team played together last year. Like the team I'm already excited about next year is Zalatoris and Davis Riley. I hope they stay together because I think a lack of continuity when you break teams up and this guy's with this guy, it, it just I, I don't know. I, I think that that makes it, it it makes it difficult to follow year over year. So I think when when fans have a continuity there, if I remember a Cantley at Shoffley, I remember whoever, I think that helps the event going into the future. You got to sign a three-year deal with your partner. That would be that would be sick. Jay Haas or Bill Haas might be in trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, gentlemen, I want to get to some other notables. We'll talk about our best bets, our one and done. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back. Uh, gentlemen, it felt like a runaway wire-to-wire victory from Xander Shoffley. Patrick Cantlay, 29 under par, breaking the tournament scoring record. But, Coach, just two shots back, Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. And I'm looking through their scorecards. They bogeyed number 17 three different times this week, the same <laughs> hole. They'd like a couple of those back right about now. Man, every time I saw a bogey on a four-ball day, I was like, what in the world happened to that particular team? And you didn't see too many in contention that would do that. Now, here's the deal. Today's bogey at 17 killed them, but that wasn't what cost them ultimately a chance. It was going for the green, which was the right play uh, by Sam Burns and going in the water uh, and then having to drop and getting up and down for par. But they had a really cool nugget on the broadcast about Billy Horschel, something he said earlier this week, that he goes, I am who I am when it comes to being competitive. Right? He goes, I wish that I could be like Scotty Scheffler. I wish I could be like some of these guys that you can't tell if they're playing good or if they're playing bad. But because of how Billy Horschel is, it's why I think he's elevated himself, even though we don't talk about him in the elite of the elite but he's a top 15 player in the world. That's how he plays. He wins, and he wins consistently in this event. He has won before. So I really thought that the intensity on one side with the intensity of Sam Burns was going to make for a terrific pair. We were right. And to KP's point, I would be shocked if we see these two play in this event and not play with each other for an extended period of time. I mean, they tied the tournament scoring record and yep. got, got smoked. I mean, they only lost by two, but it didn't it didn't feel that close uh, coming home. Uh, I, I thought I actually thought their performance on Sunday was 
was uh, pretty awesome. I mean, he, he, the card doesn't necessarily show it because they had to go for the green on 16. And then it's kind of over. You're checked out a little bit of it on, on 17 and 18. But they combined with Cantlay and Shoffley not shooting 67. It, it really made, you know, it made Sunday afternoon a lot more uh, competitive or close or tight than I, I think we thought it would be going into going into Sunday morning. Uh, what do you think about that drop on 16 KP? Uh, I, <laughs> uh, sorry. Well, I, uh, I agree with uh, Dylan Deshave of, of golf.com. Like dr- uh, PGA tour drops are must see television, yeah, right? They are now. They are now. I, there was, it, was, it was a bad drop. I'm just going to say it was a bad drop, but because it landed inside the, the red line, it definitely bounced. But that's the only thing that Billy Horschel was sitting on. He's like, I saw it bounce. They saw it bounce. He saw it bounce. Hell, that person over there. We did. But there's about four feet between the line and the water. And that's where it bounced. So they got a ball that drop. There was not a definitive angle. But, Coach, if you made me bet $10,000 on it, I'm taking the uh, it never crossed side of the action on that one. (laughs) I'm a little scared to say that publicly because we know Billy Horschel is not scared to come out and say something to somebody. Well, in in his defense, I mean, he saw a bounce. He's got the angle, all that good stuff. But I just think if we had an angle of every single thing, I think we would have seen that that ball did not cross the red line. There has to be, I mean, we can put cameras in pylons. We have to be able to, to measure, uh, like there, there has to be a way to to figure that out without just relying on somebody saying they saw something bounce from three hundred yards away, right? Well, when you have thirty some cameras out there, and I, obviously I, we all work for CBS, and that's who had the coverage today. Uh, to me, if you have water, there's a lot of water. Wouldn't it be make sense to put little cameras where right along that line? So if there's ever an issue, you could go to that camera, just like you'd have a camera in a base or a pylon in the NFL. So I, I completely agree, even especially on a drivable par four where you know that that left side is probably going to come into play. Even having a camera on the other side of the water would would give us that angle. But KP, it kind of um, it, it kind of does open up a can of worms like should how much should the coverage play into this? This is kind of the whole normal sport idea where yeah. some guys are always on camera. Some are never on camera. It, Billy Horschel is staring directly in the camera saying, do we have that on television? Which like for 90 percent of the field can't even ask for that and they're getting kind of a different tra- it's such it's such a fascinating concept in our sport it totally is you know what it reminded me of rick the victor drop yes the in the first round of the players uh, uh last year right 2021 yeah on 11 he hits it uh i don't know if you remember this coach but he hits it uh he goes for it on 11 the par 5 and he it crosses but nobody sees it cross and so he's he's trying to play it safe. So he's going to go back on the other side of the water. And then finally, somebody on the uh, the every shot or what what's their uh, uh, every shot live? That was called. I get that confused with the Masters. No, they do show every live. One of the streams shows every shot. We call it like every shot. Uh, I don't even know what we label it. I work. So yeah, what, whatever it is, finally uh, yeah, well, showed that it it had crossed, and and his original where he was going to drop was correct, but. It's such an imbalance of um, like it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't protect the entire field. It 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 tilts it toward 
uh, who's on. And, and I actually thought that Hovland, when it was every shot live or whatever it's called, uh, it, it kind of highlighted that, that it, the fact that we don't have that every week and you do have it for the leaders or PGA tour live or whatever. And it's just such a, it's such a strange thing that doesn't happen in it again in any other sport, right? Like even in, even in tennis, like when you're on a lesser court, you still have like, or maybe they, do they have like the Hawkeye thing on, on uh lesser courts, like in Wimbledon yes. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The V like the VAR re- review thing. It's on yeah. every, every yeah. court. Yeah. So golf is the, and, and I guess it makes sense. Cause it's like the most spacious in terms of like square footage. It's the most difficult to, literally cover with cameras or whatever but it it does and i don't know that there's a great solution to it but it does highlight the fact that it's such a weird bizarre thing um that i that i again i don't know what the solution is yeah i don't either so uh we'll we'll see if somebody can figure it out coach maybe the biggest surprise of the week the south africans brandon grace garrick higo finished t4 in contention for the vast majority of this event leading into the week these two had struggled neither neither of them had a top 20 finish in the calendar year this marks the first for both of them and when i talked to mark on saturday night he just kind of reiterated this really is a team event and if you can kind of get a good comfy pairing brandon grace playing the the savvy vet in that group it it can really carry a couple of guys who have really struggled with their game yeah that's a very mark answer to be honest with you always looking for the positives and everything always looking for the feel good and everything let's let's be let's be real today i actually got a, a note today on instagram swear to god i got a note that said i was too critical of the players that i was unprofessional because I was pointing out the bad shots, that I was pointing out the fact that somebody was 182nd in the FedEx Cup. Well, in our world, that's not very good. So you're supposed to say that. Now, with that being said, there was a lot of players at the top of the leaderboard, and you could look at them. Redmond Ryder, Riley Zalatoris, Bradley Steele, all these guys, Higo and Grace, and they should have finished better than uh, T4, to be honest with you. should have been. They should have been in second. They struggled a little bit coming in. But when you got two guys like this, and Brandon Grace has been good on the European Tour. He showed up in some majors, but he's never got footing here on the PGA Tour substantially. This is a great event that you can come to, and even Bill Hostetta by making the cut with his dad, and find your game while still being able to maybe make the cut, earn some points, and earn some money. That's what this this event is great for. And we're seeing maybe, and I would keep your eye on next week and the next couple of weeks, and see which guys this week that are not stars, that are not mainstays, really use this good finish to elevate themselves over the course of the next three weeks before the next major. Two things. Uh, one, Garrett Higo is not very good. I'm sorry. He's not. He go ahead, Rick. Do you think that winning as early as he did ended up being like a net negative? <laughs> yes, because he shouldn't have won. If you look at his strokes gained at that event, it was, it, you never like, I forgot what it was two and a half or something some number that you never, ever, ever, ever went on with the, on the PGA tour and everybody just fell apart everyone around him. Down. Right. Yes. He yeah. posted and everyone melted down. Chess melted. Hadley, like just, well, it was Chesson Hadley. Chesson Hadley had a one. Yeah. yeah he got just vaporized over the last three holes. And so <laughs> it's a little bit, it's, it's kind of unfair to Higo cause he shouldn't have won at that event. And then all of a sudden he wins at the age of what, what was he? 22 or 23. And you're like, oh, it's the next Ernie Els. And you're like, well, let's hold on. Like, let's chill out for a second. He's just, 
like he's fine. He's a fine player. He he doesn't have the pedigree. Whatever. I don't. We don't need to do like twenty minutes on Garrett Kigo. The second thing I was going to say is players should get an opportunity, coach, to criticize us. I'm cool like, with that. Like, cool. uh, oh, Porter can't put a preposition together. Like his his <laughs> his his segues just suck. Coach, he transitioned into commercials. Awful. It's horrible. Terrible. Wouldn't that be great? I would. It would be. I would love it. It would be fantastic. I've always wanted players to have just like what it's like. It's like letting the caddies play the course. Like you should let the players get one day where they just get to just destroy us. That's so (laughs) good. Yeah. What's what's this Oxford comma usage that Porter's (laughs) on right now? (laughs) Oh, that would be fantastic. Oh man. Um. I was going to say something else, but I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah. So Higo and Grace finished T4. Uh, good for them. They'll bank some FedEx cup points. They'll bank some, they'll, some money and maybe they can build something off of this gentlemen. Uh, we only have a couple things left to do. We're going to do our best bets and we have, Oh, a one and done update. And Oh, there was some money to be earned in this one. and done. We're going to hit both of those things, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Best bets, uh, 50-50. We were two and two here. Coach and I were losers. Kyle and Mark, winners. Uh, KP, you had Xander Shoffley over Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland. It was minus 110. They did much more than just beating that pair. They beat every single pair. Yeah, feel great about it. Although I, I, I like Mark's better. Mark's was great. I love that one. That was actually the one. So so I can't remember um, how it came up when we did this, but everyone was like, Riley's Zalatoris, top 20 for even money. That number feels that number feels way off. And it did, well, especially when you only had to beat, there's only 80 teams. It wasn't like a normal event. You had to beat 140 guys. You only had to beat 60 teams. I think the I think the wild card there was was Riley's had a weird year in that he finished second, but then he's missed a bunch of cuts. So you're like, I, I don't. Like the ceiling is high. I just don't know what I'm getting. And uh, he was great this week. Obviously, they finished what T five. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, they, they shot a sixty six today. By the way, yeah, it was yeah, sick. It was T six when they finished. But yeah, they made a lot of money and a lot of points today with that sixty six. Did you see? Did you see the putt to make it sixty six, Rick? Yeah, unreal. The how, the how good, huh? I said, how good was that? Well, no, the the. It was uh, it was Zalatoris taking the putter. The he was like a four footer, and he took it back, and he like paused. And did you? Did, I did not see this. I thought you were talking about. I thought he. I thought he made a bomb at some point. Yeah, on, they did on. 17? Yeah, I think so. Okay. On eighteen, uh, Zalatoris had like a four footer, which you guys know how that goes. But he took it back, and it was like. I was like, is he going to forget to bring it forward? Like it looked like he just was like. It, I thought somebody had hit pause on the TV. It was. It, something needs to be done. There needs to be like an explicit warning on there before he cut, before he makes his move with the putter. I would have thought it, my my stream was buffering if I saw that. <laughs> uh, the, same, the same warning needs to be when Victor Hovland's pitching the ball too. I might add. <laughs> oh there, my was, there was yeah, yeah. We'll get it figured out. Um, the one that I had lost by a shot. Cam Smith, Mark Leishman over Scheffler and Palmer. That was one stroke. Coach, ah, uh, this stinks. You had Joaquin Neiman and Mito Pereira over Max Homer, Taylor Gooch. We never really got to see that one resolve because Mito and Joaquin bounced and withdrew after round one. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel bad, but at least it was my best bet, and I didn't have. I mean, if I would have had them in my one and done this week, that would have really sucked. It really would, but at least I did, and I don't think anybody else did either. That's at the top of the leaderboard. But if I did, I, I think I would have really been a little angrier than I am right now. Well, uh, one guy did have him. His name's Jacob. Oh, Jacob, show, oh, the, show oh, the one and done standings. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. tough, 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 tough. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, Sia and the fans. Womp womp womp. Zero dollars for Sergio Garcia and Tommy Fleetwood. Kyle. Along with Greg, the big winners, $489,000. Thanks to Horschel and Burns. KP, you are putting distance between Sia. You are $1.1 million behind me. You are, you're, you're getting some respectable results right about uh, now. The problem is I don't have any top 15 guys left. I think they were my two last top 15 guys. Uh, what did you say, KP? Did you say if I don't get a payday with these two, I'm toast? I'm, I'm quitting is probably what I said. <laughs> I've got I did realize I've so I have I have DJ Brooks and Spieth left and I think those are going to be my major picks. So I've got I've got a path forward. Uh it's just not a very good one. And keep in mind we have individual payouts too. I mean Spieth Spieth might win the open by like 10, so I should get bonus points for that. Yeah. Hey hey Rick, do you mind if I say something directly to the fans? It only takes 10 seconds. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Because this is the second week now where I've directed to the fans and said, listen, listen to me. I work for the PGA Tour. I see these guys every week. Do not take Garcia and Fleetwood this week. And nobody wants to listen to me, Rick. So maybe after another big fat donut, they'll listen to me next week. But I'm tired of them getting zeros or nothing because they won't listen to me. There you go. You heard it straight from Coach. He knows. Zero. Thank you. Uh, you've earned 1.2 million over your last three. So heading in the right direction, my friend. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't get much worse. Yeah, you couldn't go in the other. You couldn't continue going the other direction. You're already at rock bottom. <laughs> uh, I had Shane Lauer, Ian Poulter, 69,803. Coach, you got 191,000 from Varner and Watson because of Jacob's zero. You are very much closing the gap on him. So you're in third and you are 100 grand behind Jacob in second, 500,000 behind Mark at the top. I'll be honest with you. I feel like uh, winning this much money with these two guys is the same as what Kyle won with Horschel and Burns. Yeah, I agree. Right? I mean, in order to win this whole thing, you've got to have weeks where you're not having top 20 guys. And if you can get $191,000 out of Varner and Watson right now, I'm going to take it every single time. And by the way, can I just say this too, Rick, that people in the chat, people on Twitter, on social media called me an idiot for picking these two. You're an idiot. That's what everybody called me. 191 grand. Not so much an idiot now. Now you're a rich idiot. So that's no. that works. There you go. Uh, Mark, I think Mark should be shaking in his boots a little bit here. So he's got 48,000 from Max Homa and Taylor Gooch. 15 events since the turn of the calendar. Mark has earned a total of 1.3 million. That's what Kyle's got the last three weeks. So this front running effort that Mark has put on, uh, it has not quite been as successful as I think he would have hoped. Mark, Mark feels like Norman at the 96 masters. Like he's just holding on for dear life. Trying to try to get in the clubhouse. Yeah, like he he has a six stroke lead, and instead of playing eighteen on Sunday, we're playing like fifty four, and he's in trouble. This is not good. 
Hey, Rick, by the way, uh, as I expected, people are coming at me. JetBlue Amigo said 191 grand. Wow, what a score, Coach. You're a one-and-done legend. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the uh, – I think that, that was not sarcasm. That was a, just a – That's a, a yeah, straight, that, just a compliment. Thank you very much, JetBlue Amigo. That's a compliment for sure. That's I can't imagine – yeah, I can't imagine somebody with that avatar uh, displaying sarcasm. It's, if you're not watching on YouTube, it appears to be a uh, a cat in a sombrero. Is that what I see? Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. Very good. Um, Savage. Savage. It's really like it, it hasn't appeared this way throughout the year, but really the top, if you take me and Sia out of it, the top six is pretty tight, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty close. Yeah. It's going to be a fun second half. There's no yeah, doubt about it. I agree. Uh, Jacob, can you investigate? Did Greg really pick Mark Leishman back to back weeks? Arnold Palmer Invitational and the players? Can we investigate? Wow. Wow. Do we know? He couldn't have done that. I'll investigate. I don't think that's true. Wait, who said that? Who who who's who's purporting that? In the spreadsheet. Just be in the in the spreadsheet. The numbers are probably right, but the the name might be wrong. We'll check the tape. We'll check the tape. Thank you. Can you adjust some of my numbers in there too? Uh, I can't do that. While while we're also checking the tape on Greg, I'm going to launch a bipartisan committee to investigate what Mito Pereira was doing on Thursday evening. But this keeps and coming more. up. What is your evidence? What 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 are we talking about here? Uh, just the non-disclosure the PGA Tour has for injuries. Just general general angst over over the fact that a guy will just pull out. You know, one day, such as a Paul Casey, uh, we knew Paul Casey was dealing with a little, a little back issue, but you know, it just stinks if you want to embrace the betting community or DFS community. Whenever you're like, oh, I want to, I want to take this guy for something. Do and, Do you have a solution, uh, you know, or is this just a uh, screaming at clouds situation? I think it's mainly screaming at clouds, but you would think there has to be some sort of self-reporting situation. Um, you know what Tiger would say, Jacob. Pick better. It's in the police report. It's in the police oh, report. Oh, yeah, right. you could check the police report. Check yeah, it. it's in there. Anything else, gentlemen, before we get out of here? We're headed to Mexico next week. Not literally. The, the, the players are. We'll, we'll- I actually am literally headed to Mexico next week. Are you really? Vacation. First kid-free vacation in m- many years. Wow. Hat, yeah. hat tip. Are you are you yes. doing like you do like the all-inclusive resort thing? Yeah, never been to one. Oh. And uh yeah, so excited. I mean, I've I've got like I'm taking like 10 books. I mean, it's just just a dream. I'm so pumped. I love it's that. gonna be great. It's gonna be great for you. You guys don't have to listen to my takes for like six days. It's gonna be fantastic for every, everyone wins. Can you take you take Mark with you? <laughs> <laughs> it's all inclusive. Bring a friend. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, we'll end on that one. Gentlemen, we're headed to Mexico next week. John Rahm is in the field. We'll be back with the DFS preview on Monday. Make a preview pod on Tuesday. Round by round recaps after each and every round. But for now, big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there is the coach. You can find him on Twitter at the coach rules. Kyle Porter, enjoy the vacation. Can be found at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.